to the Blockchain Journal Club. I'm Carlos. Hi, I'm Perry. And today we're joined by Jacob Silvinsky. Hey, Jacob. Hi, I'm Jacob. There's Jacob. <laughs> um, okay, so um, this is uh, a kind of follow-up episode to an episode we did about asynchronous blockchains. Um, and we're very happy to have the author of that paper uh, joining us today so that we can kind of go deeper into some of the questions we had and hopefully uh, get a better understanding of the paper, which was quite interesting. Um, so I guess maybe let's just introduce uh, each other and ourselves. So uh, Perry and I are basically most of the time PhD students at McGill University. Um, I'm in the computer science department and Perry's in the physics department. And uh, on our spare time or yeah, mostly on our spare time, we like to work on, on blockchain problems. And um, what we've mostly worked on is uh, using uh, blockchain for certain scientific applications. So we've um, come up with protocols for including uh, scientific work into the proof of work uh, procedure, um, as well as um, we're working now on seeing if we can include some kind of peer review on the blockchain, things like that. So, um, and we're, we started this podcast as a part of like, uh, maybe some, uh, as a part of uh, kind of growing what we started as a little company where we might do some research or consulting or things like that. Um, and basically to stay on top of the field and, and kind of read the latest research and hopefully uh, share what we learn. So um, yeah, do you have anything to add, Perry? Oh, I think you kind of summed it up. Cool. Um, and how about you, Jacob? I don't, uh, all we know is that you wrote a, a cool paper and that you're, you agreed to join us. So uh, <laughs> if we get a little intro on yourself, that'd be great. Okay, so um, I did my bachelor's and master's in Oxford. Then I, for one year or a bit more than a year, I was a research assistant in Singapore. Now I'm doing my PhD in Zurich at ETH. Mm -hmm. And now I'm working, for the past two years, I've been working, working on blockchain in general. So um, yeah, this is, we're going to talk about one of my papers. I mean, it's not really, it's not published yet. So yeah, uh, it's just on archive yet. Yeah, it's quite recent, but I was just kind of scanning the, the archive for anything interesting we could discuss and that seemed appealing. Uh, have, okay, you submitted, so. have you submitted the paper? Yes. And to which journal? Do you mind me uh, asking? I submitted it to SPA, but it was rejected. Okay. So yeah, a couple of rounds. Well, it happens, I guess. Yes, I feel you. <laughs> Absolutely. It's happened, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, we submitted a paper to uh, Ledger, actually, that got accepted. I don't know if you know uh, about that journal. Journal? Which Le The Ledger Journal. No, haven't heard of it. I'll okay. put the link on the chat. It's, uh, <laughs> maybe you can look into it. it it's pretty nice. Um, it's still quite small, I think, but they're, they're really specializing on, uh, on blockchain uh, papers. So... Um, and I think they've only had like five volumes, but it seems like they're trying to do a good thing. And their uh, their uh, review uh, board is, uh, I think, pretty good. Okay. But yeah. Anyway, um, that's cool. So, uh, and you're also working. Uh, who's your your PI? Uh, Roger. Um, I forget his last name there. Sorry, Roger Wattenhofer, uh, right? My boss, Roger Wattenhofer. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We did a bit of uh, reading on him. Uh, so he's focusing mostly on blockchain now, right? There's a few areas. So some theory, some blockchain, uh, Byzantine agreement, 
Mm -hmm. We even have some machine learning guys in our group as well. Yes, of course. Nice. Nice. Everybody needs to have some machine learning guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so should we maybe get started on the paper? Yes. Um, so I can share my screen or do you have like a, I don't know if you've presented the paper before, you can maybe use some material you have already or we can just pull up the paper and we can scroll through it. I have some presentations for it, but I'm not sure if they would, I'm not, I, I, I didn't prepare them. I don't know where I have them. Okay, yeah, don't worry about no, it. Let's just uh, look at the figures, right? Yeah, Perry? Yeah. Okay. Just discuss the paper, go through it. Yes, as we usually do. Okay, um, let me bring it up. Where was it? Okay, so I'm going to share my screen. You let me know if you can see it. You see it? Yes. Excellent. Yeah. So this is, uh, I hope, the latest version, right? Um, uh, can you scroll down a bit? On... Um, there was one more version with like a table. There, there were oh. a bunch of versions. I can send you a bit more recent one if you want. Oh, cool. Yeah, let's look at that. Um, is it on the archive? No. So okay. I need to Sorry. send it to you. Okay, cool. So <laughs> exclusive, we'll get the latest version. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not posted yet. Hot off the press. <laughs> okay, there's a table. I, I, I do not remember a table here. Cool. Um, you're gonna send it by email? Yes. Excellent. It's 2 p.m. for you, right? Yes. Okay, do you see it? Yep. Yes, I do. Yep. Okay, so um, I don't know how you want to start, uh, Jacob, but it would be nice if we could get nice. probably like uh, a motivation uh, for like why this is uh, a useful thing to do. I know yes. it's nicely sure. discussed in the introduction, but for the people that haven't uh, read it, that would be cool to, to go over again. Um, and then just a brief overview of the consensus and then probably the way we like to go, Perry and I, is go through the paper kind of section by section and see if we understand everything. So I'll let you, uh, I'll let you take over. Let me know where I should scroll also. Okay. So now I talk about the idea behind the paper, right? Sure. Yes. Okay. So the idea is, okay, so um, kind of starting from the beginning, there's Bitcoin, right? And in Bitcoin, Nakamoto writes, uh, to understand what happened, everybody needs to agree on one history of transactions, one order, right? Yeah. And having a total order of transactions is equivalent to consensus. Now, consensus is, um, it's very um, precise property, right? You have some inputs mm -hmm. and uh, if they're all the same, you need to agree on that one. If they're different, you need to decide on one of them and you need to do that in finite time. Mm -hmm. So uh, the idea behind this paper is what if you don't need consensus? Um, so it's like this, right? The, the double spending is one person, they want to spend their money, right? Pay for a Ferrari or whatever, then drive off in their Ferrari and then they want to somehow spend this money again on something else, kind of taking it away from the, from the person that they spend it to. So um, yeah, the idea how to relax consensus in this paper is 
if somebody tries to uh, do like two things at once, so spend money and before it's agreed upon, do something tricky, like uh, spend it in a different direction, right? Do double spend, then we don't need to provide determination for the person. So it's like... Uh, what, what do you mean by termination? Termination is, uh, I refer to the property of consensus. So consensus okay. has the property that it needs to happen in finite time, right? Right, yeah. So uh, somebody says, I'm giving you $10 and I'm giving this person $10. Now in Bitcoin, everybody has to come together and they have to decide who got the $10, right? Because it can be both. Right. Now in this paper, the idea is um, if we have this dispute, then we don't need to decide. So this guy, in one moment, he said he's giving $10 to this person and this person. It may not be uh, resolved. So we can ignore it. And then this person just lost $10 kind of. Right. Mm -hmm. This is the relaxation. And functionally, it doesn't hurt much. I would argue it doesn't hurt at all. Like, um, but uh, it relaxes consensus still, and then it's much simpler. Like it, you can get many other benefits for not doing this. Mm -hmm. And I guess the idea is for a transaction, you don't need to have the history of all other transactions in order to know that it's uh, valid, right? Yeah, so... Um, Like every transaction if, has its own little history, I guess, if, no? Yeah, so if some chain of somebody's money, like somebody gives $10 to somebody else and then they give the $10 to somebody else and you have no mm -hmm. interaction with this kind of $10, you have your own $10 and, you, and they don't mix, then they can be mm -hmm. processed separately. Yeah. But as it happens in a money system, they're going to mix, right? And they're going to uh, flow from person to person. So ultimately, it all is going to constitute like a history of everything that similarly to other blockchains, everybody needs to process. So um, it, it's not really like you have completely separate things, but they can't be separate depending on what happens to them, right? Or maybe we could yeah. have a condition that they don't mix like in, uh, I don't know, I say, uh, yeah, but that would be two different cryptocurrencies, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it, uh, so it's not inherent to the basic idea of relaxing consensus, right? Okay. By the way, um, I think you should be able to scroll on this uh, PDF, and we should be able to see it. I gave you control. So I should be able to move around. I think so. Yeah. You want to try? I'm trying now, and I. Okay. Huh. Uh, are, you moving, are you moving the mouse? Who's moving the mouse right now? I am. Oh, okay. Um, but I gave, it says it gave me the option to give control to Jacob. Um, yes, it tells me. The Zoom tells me you can control color <laughs> screen. Cool. But now I move my mouse, I scroll, and or I use arrows, nothing happens. Oh, I think I need to uh, make a change on my OS here. Now I should. Because that might be useful, so let's do that. Okay, let me try that again. Okay, can you try now, Jacob? No. Okay. Well, no. that was a. Tr okay, we tried. Um. Anyway. 
Okay, so the idea is to relax, uh, relax the requirement that Bitcoin has that the entire network needs to resolve entirely the history of all transactions, right? Yeah, so the idea is we only have this relaxation for what we view as misbehavior, right? Because if you say you want to spend your $10 to this one person and you, there's no alternative, right? Because you're not going to sign a conflicting transaction, then mm -hmm. we still have to guarantee that it's going to be uh, like uh, terminated in finite time, right? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. so I, guess, I guess the point is you, you want to punish the person trying to double spend instead of punishing the network for figuring out to figure out which one is the valid transaction, right? Yes, so everything is the same as in other Bitcoin or what have you. Uh, the difference is if you have conflicting transactions, then we don't need to accept exactly one. We need to accept at most one. Right, perfect. But it yeah. might happen that none of them is accepted if you have conflicting ones, right? Right, and that's the risk then, you take for trying to double spend, I guess. Yes. But wouldn't then, uh, if you're creating conflicting transactions, wouldn't the entire network need to be aware of that somehow in order to identify that there exists a conflicting transaction? Mm, I'm not sure I, I understand. Guess we'll, I guess we'll get to so that when we go through the protocol. Yeah, yeah we'll I mean, get to if that. You, if you create conflicting transactions, it may happen that one of them is confirmed. It is guaranteed that at most one is yeah. confirmed. But if you misbehave, like severely, mm -hmm. so you send one transaction to half of the network, the other conflicting one to the other half of the network, it may also happen that none of them ever are going to be accepted. Mm -hmm. Sure, yeah. I guess we'll, we'll get to it uh, probably in, in the actual protocol. But okay, that's a cool motivation. So the idea is, and I guess what would be the one benefit that this brings automatically is that you get uh, finality, right? I don't know if, if they're like, if they go together, the, the asynchronous uh, property and the property of finality, but the oh, idea is, the idea, okay, so in that case, um, that's nice because in Bitcoin, uh, like you say in the paper, right, all you gain over time is a reduced probability that your transaction will be uh, rejected, right? It's just kind yeah. of a building up of confidence uh, as more blocks get mined on top, but you never get kind of a, a final approval. Right. Yes, so Bitcoin is not final, like uh, yeah, it's probabilistic. That's one thing. Yeah. Another thing is uh, not asynchronous, right? So yeah. network attacks or if somebody, like if an adversary that wanted to destroy Bitcoin controlled entirety of the internet, right? They could, uh, like you, you send Bitcoin and you think it's accepted. Now the next day that the person controlling the internet made some different chain appear because they did like the people who were doing that when they can't communicate or something and they can mm -hmm. uh, trick the participants right so essentially it's uh, you can interfere with what happens by controlling the network right like the communication uh -huh. aspect yeah yes right Okay, so this is a problem that we don't often see with uh, attacks on Bitcoin, basically, right? We often think about the 51% attack, but this is kind of uh, often not thought about. So it's interesting. There are some papers about eclipse attacks or stuff like that, right? Okay. We should maybe look into that as well. I mean, um, many people are going to argue that many of these attacks are not practical. Many of these people are going to argue that uh, 
yeah, I mean, there's or selfish mining, right? Some people are going to say this is not practical and not a problem. Some people say this is uh, going to be yeah. something. I mean, if you can re get rid of that, that would be nice. Yeah, for I sure. mean, all this is like a social layer on top of the technology, right? Deciding on how to, how to yes. communicate. Like it's a game theory problem, I guess, on yes. top. So here, with respect to asynchrony, right? Uh, it would be nice if we had a fully asynchronous protocol, then we have like, the guarantee that even if somebody like bombs the internet, if it, if it gets cut in half, still nobody is going to be uh, like, uh, you know. Disadvantaged, cheating. yeah. But this could happen like in countries, right? Where countries can control the internet somehow or something, right? In separate pockets, I guess. Um, yeah, yes, I mean, I, I don't, yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine, I, I understand the motivation. Cool. So maybe we can go on to the protocol, how, how you actually achieve this, uh, this property. Wait, so also another bonus is that you kind of go around uh, the need for a proof of work, right? Yes. Which is nice. So this is more like Byzantine agreement angle, yeah. right? That there are some uh, proof of stake kind of systems that take this angle or they mix it with something else, okay. right? But, uh, so I would say there are two types of proof of stake. It would be based on Byzantine agreement and based on uh, kind of randomness like Ouroboros, mm -hmm. right? I, I'm not familiar with Ouroboros. I know what it is, like uh, this uh, Cardano coin, but... Uh... Yeah, so it, it tries to, if you have Bitcoin, right? You, you, can, you can see Bitcoin as uh, like a lottery that r randomly uh, people who participate become the leader, right? Sure. You mine and you can view this as a random process that assigns, okay, this guy now can issue a block, this guy can issue a block, and it right. mixes them. So Uroboros tries to do something similar with uh, not proof of work, but provable randomness, right, that you can just uh, generate as a network. Okay. So this is different from Byzantine agreement, right? In Byzantine agreement, it's just communication and agreeing what happens. Right. Mm -hmm. And this, random, this randomness happens on-chain or off-chain? Uh, sorry, what do you mean? The in randomness a, is generated. Yeah. So that's tricky, right? Because it, it, how to say that it can't be completely public. Like you can generate randomness from something that was just in the past on the chain or something, right? Deterministically, you mean, yeah. Yes. So it has to be, uh, it has to come from somewhere, right? And it's not on chain. And yeah. it has to be provable that you don't just pick what suits you. But exactly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ouroboros, it's like many papers and I'm not an expert on them. So uh, I wouldn't delve into that too much. Okay, but, but they're working on that. That's no, like the, the whole, uh, <laughs> the, the, the first contribution, how to do this, right? Is this, where to take the randomness from? Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. <laughs> Yeah, so that's the, that's the basis of Ouroboros. Okay, cool. Do we want to go through the protocol? Let's go. Yes. Well, maybe let's look at your uh, new table, actually. Okay. I guess it's uh, kind of summarizing other um, contributions, right? And comparing yes, it's them. Yes, Okay, yeah. Right, so and you, you sacrificed the smart contract aspect, right? Which is... Yes, so upfront. smart contracts... In, in, if you think about Ethereum, right? You have a smart contract and you, for example, say, 
anybody can pay money to the smart contract, right? Yeah. Then there, there might be two strangers that don't know each other, and one says, uh, or they may, might withdraw money from the smart contract. So one says, I want to withdraw all of the money from the smart contract. The other one says, I want to do the, the same thing too. Mm. So this is two conflicting states, right? So Ethereum would just order them and would say, this guy was first, or this guy was first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but for us, it essentially it requires consensus. And we don't have consensus, so we can't do that. Mm. So okay. it, it, the thing here is, that, I mean, the way in which it's different from just payments is that you have two parties that might issue conflicting updates, right? If you have some money, you're the only guy that can issue conflicting updates with respect to how your money is spent. Oh, I see. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Like with, with, with money, there's kind of uh, like a logical truth to the way it's supposed to evolve historically, right? And with a smart contract, you can, there's like no constraints on what kind of updates you can apply to it, right? Both that are, like there's no sense of conflict on, on the state of a contract's execution, no? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I understand what you're saying. Because uh, I mean, the way I saw Ethereum is like really a generalization of, of Bitcoin, right? I mean, a, yes. a transaction is kind of, uh, a Bitcoin transaction is essentially a smart contract with, you know, very, a, a very limited set of rules that need to execute. Yes. So, yeah, I, I guess yeah, the, so, the, the leap to the smart contract, I guess, is where I'm a little fuzzy. So the relevant difference for us, for ABC, is that in Ethereum, uh, it might be different parties that issue updates to the same thing, right? If you oh. have your money, you're the only party that can issue update to this thing. So if you have multiple parties, you inherently need to agree on the order in which they conflict, they uh, issue these conflicting updates. Hmm. So if you tried to do that naively in ABC, it might happen that, uh, yeah, like this one guy wants to withdraw money from the smart contract and some other guy wants to withdraw money from the smart contract in the same time. You can't classify this as misbehavior, right? Because they're just doing okay. what they think, okay? But then it might happen mm-hmm. that it never terminates for either of them. Yes, I can see that. Does it make sense? Yeah. Or two guys want to buy the same crypto kitty, you know? You have to pick who buys it. <laughs> exactly. Um, another uh, thing that we thought of when reading the paper was um, IOTA. I don't know if you've uh, looked at that project, uh, Jakub. I'm kind of familiar, yes. Um, Because, yeah, I mean, it seemed uh, kind of uh, related since they also uh, work with a DAG, a directed acyclic graph uh, on transactions. I don't know uh, what the requirements are on synchrony. Um, But yeah, it it seemed like interesting because also they they a little bit uh, go around proof of work, right, Perry? So I think there is proof of work. I'm not sure if my opinion on IOTA is controversial, but it might be. So I, <laughs> Please. I don't like it. You don't like it? I don't like it. No, I think it's, 
essentially okay. that. But I'm not sure if you're interested in discussing that it? as well. Yeah, sure. Why is let's it? Go, let's give it a shot. So I think it sets out to solve a problem, uh, but it doesn't solve it. <laughs> that is bad, yes. Uh, uh, and what do you mean? So the concept is that our, what they claim or what they used to claim, I don't know if they changed it, but they, it's supposed to be that the throughput is supposed to be unlimited, right? In that if you have many of these transactions that are appended to the tangle, how they call it, uh, yeah. in parallel, then you can kind of process them in parallel, but in the end you need to process all of them all the same and they, yeah, and it's also based on proof of work. So, and, and they try to somehow uh, offload the proof of work onto the people who issued the transactions. Right. Mm -hmm. But this is not really, I mean, if there's enough of them, you could do that, but if somebody specifically wants to attack, like an adversary wants to buy the mining machines, right, and attack the tangle, then they, it would be easier so that, like in Bitcoin, right, the security is related to the hash power of the network, and here is going to be two. So it doesn't change much. Yeah, so one thing that's weird, yeah, so, so they, they claim they get free transactions, right? But actually what they're doing is just offloading all the hashing of the miners onto the people use, performing yes. the transactions. Yes, so, so you're right. So if you could just produce a bunch of transactions on top of your invalid tra or your, your fake or evil transaction, you can yeah, sort so, of verify your own transactions. By so the thing is, if you claim mining Bitcoin is expensive, like there's a lot of energy and you don't want to spend it. Right. But also security of the system is inherently associated with the energy that you spend on doing this, right? The more energy you spend on mining Bitcoin, the more secure the system is. Yes. Yeah. So then if you just change the party who does that, it doesn't change all that much, at right. least with respect to security or then you, I, I think it's. Uh... Yes, so, so it's, it is playing with words, right? You claim free transactions because there's no mining fee or no one's mining, but actually you're paying for the transactions by producing your own, by using your own energy to yes. confirm other transactions. And then you just okay. ship. So Sorry. yeah, and, and beyond that, I think it also has to do with the security itself. Because sure, because now, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. So um, they, they used to have this coordinator, right? Which was essentially an authority that uh, was able to, uh, you know, indicate what's okay and what's not okay on the blockchain of IOTA. Yeah, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the state of the project now. So I know before it used to be some sort of centralization involved, but I don't know how it works now, actually. Yes. So if you have a party like this, then there's many better solutions, right? Sure. And I'm not sure if they were able to remove that or if they will be able to remove that. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not up to date on the current state of the project. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. I guess were they the first ones to? Uh, introduce the idea of generalizing the blockchain into a DAG? That might be. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, I guess that's one neat idea they had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can agree. Uh, 
Okay, so maybe we can get onto the, the actual meat of the paper and talk about the algorithm or the consensus of the protocol. Okay. Yeah, so um, let so, me know where you want me to go. Um, I'm not sure what should I look at to talk about this because I think it's very simple. Okay, maybe you can just say the words then. Okay, so. Maybe we can look at this. Yeah, maybe the figures. Yeah, we can look at this. I mean, okay, this cool. is like a visualization of the communication that goes on, right? So I'm, I'm not sure if it depicts the idea. Anyway, the idea is in, I think in Byzantine agreement, right? You, you have some, you, you know a bit about Byzantine agreement or should I explain? Maybe we should give a little, uh, a little two, three sentences. So Okay, so the problem is we have some parties. Let's imagine, so the, the original kind of anecdote is that there's Byzantine generals, right? Mm -hmm. Or like generals that uh, they siege Byzantine or whatever and they need to so they're in different places and they uh, can send messages to each other um, and they have to agree on whether to attack or not. So if they will be in disagreement, so if some of the generals uh, in the end attack, but some others will understand that they don't attack, then the attacking ones are going to fail and it's going to be just all around bad. So they, 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 all of them either need to attack or all of them need to agree that they don't attack. And some of these generals are like agents of the enemy and they just want to screw up with the communication. They want to get some of the generals to attack while some others don't attack, right? So yeah, you can apply this concept to agreeing on the order of transactions, right? In Bitcoin or any other kind of business. It's consensus, right? Sorry? It's some sort of consensus. Yeah. So usually when you say consensus, uh, you mean there's like the time difference, right? Or maybe some, or maybe you have crash failures, right? Where some of the computers can fail and you don't know, so you can't wait forever for messages from those computers. And Byzantine consensus, uh, Byzantine agreement, right? It's a consensus where some of the participants can purposefully try to uh, like mess up the property, right? And yep. send conflicting messages to different parties or whatever. Mm -hmm. So malicious participants, basically. Yes. Okay, so uh, the thing here, so, uh, okay, now can you scroll up a bit, I think. So there were the properties of consensus. Yeah, up, up. Okay, so um, yeah, here, you, so consensus, it's agreement, right? So they, they need to decide on an outcome that is the same. If some honest, uh, if some agent decides something, then every honest, so if a general accept, uh, decides to attack, then eventually all of the other honest generals have to see that and attack as well. Then if all of them initially suggest to attack, then that has to be the outcome of the process. If initially all of them say we don't attack, then that has to be the outcome of the process. That's also invalidity. And termination means we can't go on forever. Just uh, yeah, we can just stop and say we don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> we just wait. Yes. Okay. Okay. So the thing with Byzantine agreement is it's very easy to satisfy all same validity, right? So if all of the parties have the same input, they 
usually they just send send around this input, right? And then if you see, okay, all of them have the same or the, the parties uh, which I said can see the communication from have the same input, now I can immediately decide on that input. So all same validity is quite easy if you don't have conflicts. Right. And that's what we uh, make use of here. So if everybody sees the same transaction, they just see the transaction, they acknowledge it, and that's it, it's confirmed, right? So, uh, and if there's different transactions, so some guys see one transaction, some guys see some other transaction, uh, then some of the guys can say, okay, I see that I vouch for this transaction, some other guys can see that the other one vouch for this one, and it can stay like, stay like this forever with like them split between the two and not, not accepting either one. Does that make sense? Yeah, I have a yep. question for the all same validity though. If you're, if you're doing this, uh, like thinking about your protocol, doing it asynchronously, then how do you define like all same? Like who is, what is the entirety of the network in this case? I guess you have some threshold now where you say this is our like level of agreement that we're okay with. Yeah, so uh, how to say that? Mm, look, if all of the participants have the same input, right? You have to agree on that input, even though in a synchronous network, it may be that you never actually see the input of all participants, right? Does that make sense? I guess, yeah. So you have some guys, okay? It's like, uh, hmm, how to... Okay, so imagine you're like a god or whatever, you supervise this. So there's this, these hundred generals and you see each of their inputs and some of them may crash, so not, not send their input at all, right? Some of them are Byzantine, so they may... Uh, we, we don't talk about the inputs of the Byzantine ones because they can have whatever input, right? So you see the inputs of the honest ones, Mm -hmm. And then it's possible that your algorithm never reviews some of the inputs of these guys, but nevertheless, it has to guarantee that if they have the same input, it has to be this one as the output. <laughs> okay. I guess maybe we'll see it more in, the, in detail later, like with your protocol. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Like if you have some kind of, you know, some, some entity that has access to the entire set of inputs, right? Then yes, it makes sense that you can easily guarantee all same validity, right? But if, if you have this like fragmented decentralized system, I guess that's where it, it becomes a kind of trickier, I guess. I guess the point is if they all have the same input, they should agree on the same thing, right? Yes. So you don't need to, yeah. the, the algorithm doesn't need to reveal that they all have the same input. It just has to guarantee that if they have the same okay, input, sure. yeah. this, this is the output. Yeah, perfect. Cool. So you want to go to the next, uh, to your definition, I guess? Yes, we, we can scroll down. So, uh, yeah, now this is like a more formal relaxation of what we don't do. So we, instead of termination, instead of saying you always have to have some agreement value, we say you only need an agreement value if there was no conflict. Right. 
so yeah, this is the relaxation, and that's all. It's all that's needed to. That's the thing. So, all the same validity is easy to satisfy. Now, the, all, all of the tricky parts of Byzantine agreement are when the honest parties don't have the same input. So we just say we don't need to do that because in terms of cryptocurrency, having conflicting inputs is a proof. I mean, it it testifies to the misbehavior of the issuer, right? Yeah. So that's, uh, it simplifies a lot. Perfect, yeah. So th this is, yeah, okay. This is a nice uh, summary of the, of the problem and like how you're trying to fix it. So now let's go to, maybe go to the protocol itself. So this is, I think this is where we had the most questions, but I don't know if you want to go through the, through the figure or you want to go through the, the definitions mm -hmm. or I don't know how you want to do it. Okay, so maybe we can stay here for a bit because, uh, so j just having asynchronous, this kind of uh, consensus, which is not consensus, it's not that novel, right? There's been, uh, for example, there's been this POTSI paper that uh, proved formally that uh, consensus is not needed for a cryptocurrency. Mm. So all of what we've said so far is not the contribution of uh, this paper, right? But yeah, the contribution but here is that it's permissionless in that we show that if the guys just send money to each other, so you have these generals, right, in the Byzantine agreement. So you, you can have one general have uh, like a letter that says, okay, now this guy is going to take over and he's going to speak for me. So in a cryptocurrency, you can do this very fluidly, like you can split this down, right? Or you can merge the cryptocurrency. And uh, yeah, so the contribution here, right? <laughs> to the point, the contribution of this paper is we show that you can send this money around and uh, there's not going to be politics, right? So it's still, still there's no double spends. And does that make sense? Yeah, so you want to add uh, permissionlessness to the block yes. to to to, yes. uh, to the system. Okay, so that's one thing. And another thing is, if we just do that, then the people who kind of hold the money themselves need to participate in this process of approving transactions, which is very clunky and unrealistic and slow. So. Another thing we do is we have these validators. So if you have money, you can say to somebody else, okay, this guy is going to conf confirm transactions in my name, kind of. Mm -hmm. So this is like, uh, doesn't EOS do this? This is called like a delegated proof of stake, right? Yeah. So, yeah, but but EOS, so, uh, so uh, sorry, maybe I misunderstood the part of the paper, but so here I, I guess every transaction, right? So if you look at this outputs in, in section five, you have outputs. So, cost yes. to scroll down. So, you have um, you 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 input a validator key, right, for every transaction. Yes. So, so you say I want to. So, Alice wants to send Bob some money. So she sends the. So I guess the three inputs here would be let's say ten dollars, uh, Bob's public key, and then uh, Charlie's validator key. Mm -hmm. Right. She chooses some validator for herself. Yes. So, so every. Uh, yeah. So my question is. Um, if every can anyone sending a transaction pick the validator for that specific transaction? So in general, inherently, yes. Okay. There's probably, I mean, 
that there's many things that uh, can happen. So, okay, let me give you an example. Mm -hmm. If you just pick a different validator for every transaction and there's going to be a million of them, then this is going to be very inefficient as it is uh, in this. Uh, I mean, there, there might be some cryptographic ways to uh, alleviate that problem, like combining signatures or whatever. But if you do that, right, if you have million validators for every different, for every transaction, it's a different guy. Mm -hmm. Then for every transaction, you need to have a lot of signatures from these guys so that it's confirmed. And if it's Maybe. a lot, then there's a lot of information. Everybody needs to process it. It's uh, unrealistic, inefficient, right? Yeah. Maybe we should um, talk about this notion of a validator and how a transaction actually like goes from being created to being confirmed, and then we'll like go into the different scenarios. Okay. So yeah, I guess a transaction is very similar to a Bitcoin one, right? Except you have this extra validator. Yes. Let me just tie some ends. I said yes. I mentioned EOS. So oh yeah, EOS, go on. like, do you know EOS? Yeah, so I think EOS has like 20 people that can validate transactions. Yes, right? so this is like uh, predetermined parties, right? Right. Mm -hmm. so, some so election. I, I, yeah, I wanted to make the distinction that I don't, I don't really view that as permissionless. So uh, I agree. There's mm -hmm. some centralization there, right? Yes. 20 people have some special power over the network. Yes, so I, I want to make it clear that here it's like we want to make it permissionless in that anybody can be the validator and it can change over time and it can be yeah, only then that would be warranted to call it permissionless, right? Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I guess the permissions. Uh, what else I said? I said if you have these validators, that's millions of them, right? And they, all of them issue a signature, there's going to be a lot of information that's bad. But there's, there can be ways, there should be ways, right? Uh, to kind of, so either limiting this number of validators by some policy that's not inherent to the protocol itself, or maybe in practice, uh, it turns out that there's not so many validators anyway, because that's, I mean, usually that's what happens, right? Like in Bitcoins, you have a few mining pools and you can view them as the equivalent of a validator. So if we had as few validators as Bitcoin mining pools, that would be very efficient and that would be great. And if it happens naturally, then that's uh, very desirable. But maybe, um, yeah. I think you mentioned <laughs> all that. I think you mentioned that later in the paper that you can include uh, some kind of proof of work, right? And maybe this would limit, sort of put in a barrier uh, to entry for validators with, with, without giving explicit permissions, right? Uh, so there's many uses of proof of work that you can use proof of work in many ways. So proof of work itself, it's not inherent to the like, basic idea here, right? Yeah, for sure. For example, you could use it to distribute the currency somehow if you don't want to say that you start with a million and you just, you just say, okay, buy this currency from me. If you, if you want to somehow naturally distribute it, you can do that through proof of work or you can mitigate spam through proof of work. Mm -hmm. But these ideas are not uh, particularly- the scope. Sorry? They're like, they're like beyond this paper, I guess, right? Kind of, yes. No, but well, I mean, they're not inherently associated with this, with ABC, like with this Yeah, paper. yeah, for sure. But I, I meant like, um, like you said, in Bitcoin, you can think of a miner as a validator, kind of. And, yes. and the thing that's limiting the number of miners or validators is that there's some kind of cost to entry, right? So something like that could probably uh, be applied in some way here, right? Uh, 
let me say two things. So first, in Bitcoin, if you talk about the single miners, I'm not sure how many there are. There might be many, right? But the mining pools is what I count as a validator because this is yeah. the actual guy that kind of, uh, you could view, this, view that as a coalition with this administrator of the mining pool as actually having the last word of what we do and, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so that's, so that, that, that's why I'm saying there's few validators because there's still mining pools as opposed to the single. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but it's, it's not like EOS, right? It's not like EOS where they're kind of arbitrarily chosen and, or, you know, hard-coded, yes. right? It's some kind of natural process where, you know, these like big pool masters needed to have, you know, not anyone can just do that, but everyone is allowed to try to do that basically, right? Yes. And then uh, to your question, so you asked if something similar applies here. So I think it might, right? If, if we have some uh, kind of fee, yeah. then there is an economic aspect to it that processing transactions requires hardware, right? And it requires being online. And uh, yeah, if you screw up, you might have this, uh, like then, then people might delegate their inputs to somebody else. So it's, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it might be an operation like, uh, not like mining, right? Because it's not associated with energy, but it still requires like hardware sticking, and right? internet and whatever. And depending on the fees, yeah. So I, I think it might be natural that there's not too many validators in a system like this. Mm -hmm. okay, okay, but uh, can, can you take us through a transaction maybe from start to end? Okay. Uh, maybe that's the maybe that's the way to to tie this all thing this whole thing together. So, so I guess yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So transactions they're like uh, it's similar to Bitcoin, right? It's UTXO. So mm -hmm. you point to some source of the fund that you spend, right? There's some key that uh, you sign your transaction with, and you point to the directions where you want to spend the money, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. I, I guess the, the, the thing I'm interested in is these acts, I guess, these validator keys that... Uh... Yes. So these are like messages of the... Uh, if you have these journals, right? The, so mm -hmm. they, they issue uh, these... Basically, it's an acknowledgement, how to say that. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, acknowledgement. So yeah, so w once you see this acknowledgement from certain amount of people, then you can be sure that there's not going to be a conflicting transaction confirmed, and then you can be sure that this one can be conf confirmed, and uh, that's that's it. So, so, but from my understanding, I I send you some money, I pick a validator, right? Let's say I pick Carlos as my validator. If uh, what stops me from from t telling Carlos, uh, uh, you know, acknowledge my transaction is valid, uh, even though it's not, say. Um, so you you mentioned picking a validator. Yeah. In so this, so here we have in this paragraph you have outputs, right? You meant yep. the validator key. Yep. Oh, so this is the guy you delegate this output to, right? To, 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 to verify? Uh, not to verify, but to, to be the person that's uh, 
it's not really like this. It's, you, you don't pick the guy that confirms your transaction. Two thirds of the validators need to confirm your transaction every time. But if anyone, let's go into what the validator key is more specifically then, right? Okay, yeah. Yeah. So validator key is your, it's an indication of your representative with respect to confirming transactions. So mm -hmm. it's like this, you have some money, right? Like a hundred dollars. And you, because you have, this is like a proof of stake system, right? So those who have the money, enough of them need to be honest and uh, behave in certain way for a system to work. Mm -hmm. So by you having this money, you uh, should issue these acts. And you say, okay, I think these transactions are fine or these are the transactions that I saw first, right? But not everybody wants to do that. In fact, we would like very few people to do that. So instead of doing it yourself, you can specify who does that for you. Okay, so then the validator also has spending power on, on the inputs? No, that's the thing. The yeah, like, uh, that wouldn't make sense, right? So okay. you, only you can issue the transaction. That's why there's two keys, right? So owner key is your key that you can testify that it's you spending the money. Then validator mm -hmm. key is for the guy who just issues the acts, right? But uh, he can't sign. I mean, if he signed a transaction, right, with his validator key, then it's visible that this is a validator key, not an owner key. So that would be yeah. like any other invalid transaction. No, but I guess my question is, since um, I guess maybe this ties into something later on, but the ACK has some kind of weight, right? Uh, and it's, per it's directly what the output is that you're spending, right? Like, yes. so, so the bigger the transaction you make, if I spend a thousand Bitcoins, then that ACK is worth more than if I spent a hundred Bitcoins, right? Yes. For that transaction. And then, but that, that value that's associated to the transaction um, is not at all controlled by the validator, right? It's not at all uh... controlled by the validator. So, so validator uh, validating a transaction for $1 is the same as a validator validating a transaction for $1,000. So, yeah, surely okay. it is weighted by the, by the value, right? So you have the value in an output. Yeah. So the kind of power to act mm -hmm. of the validator is going to be proportional to the value. Yeah. So the thing is, yeah, that, I mean, that's it. But the validator cannot issue a transaction that spends the... Okay. Does it make sense? Carlos? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Um, I guess then maybe it goes back to Perry's question of like, if you can pick uh, any validator, then um, like, I don't know, it, it feels like there could be some kind of um, manipulation here in the fact that the validator doesn't really have a cost to doing this, right? Or other than like the assumption that this person is acting honestly, right? Uh, so now we're talking about the assumptions, right? I guess. Under because the system works. because in, in Bitcoin, there's a cost to being malicious, right? Like yes. uh, you have to invest a certain amount of energy to double spend. Yes. Right. And then here, an invalid act would just, like what would be the, the thing that prevents an invalid act from being uh, generated, I guess, is my question. So there's a few things I would say. Mm -hmm. Maybe first thing I would say is 
this is not really different from other proof of stake systems, right? Like the, the point of proof of stake is to get rid of this cost of constantly spending energy forever, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so first thing, it's not different. Second thing, th there's different, uh, okay, so th this is not, again, this is not inherent to any proof of stake, but you, you could have a policy where, um, for example, I mean, if the validator misbehaves, right? You could have a functionality in which you take these things that testify to the validator misbehaving, and you can use them to withdraw uh, the like the, the outputs that are issued to this validator, or you can punish the validator. Or, for example, you can have the validator uh, deposit some so stake some coins. Maybe. Yes, maybe mm -hmm. the validator needs to deposit some collateral to be a validator, right. and then if he misbehaves, you withdraw that collateral from him. It just disappears or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, there is many. Uh, I would call them policies mm -hmm. with respect to which you can augment the protocol in a way you see suitable. Right. But they are not inherent to this uh, idea of relaxing consensus, right? So, uh, so yeah, the, the, this paper doesn't focus on it. What yeah. Is, but, uh, I just so want to say, that this sounds very much like when people discuss our paper uh, on the difficulty scaling. A lot of people start asking questions about like the next layer of the protocol yes. that you don't really discuss. <laughs> like there's very, I mean, there's many, many dimensions, right? In which yeah, yeah. things work. Uh, as of I course. mentioned, you can use proof of work, for example, to distribute the currency, right? Or how do you prevent spamming? Or... Uh, how do you incentivize the validators? How do you punish misbehavior of the validators? Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but many of these things, if not all of them, like you are going to choose something and it's not going to be inherently associated with the idea that's presented in this paper specifically. Perfect, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we understand completely. Um, but can you, can you maybe just take us through um, Okay, so I want to like, just take me through how a transaction works. Uh, I think we can look at this it, figure, right? Maybe from the figure, yeah. And, and like how a validator comes into play, when he comes into play, uh, who, who can, how do you switch validators or the dynamics of how the system works, basically. Or maybe like what, what leads to a transaction being confirmed, basically, right? Yeah, like when can someone say, okay, I accept that you gave me this amount of money. Okay. Uh, let me quickly read the description. <laughs> Oh, and, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so imagine we have this genesis, right? And in genesis, we say guy number one gets four bitcoins, guy number two gets four bitcoins, and guy number three gets three bitcoins. Mm -hmm. Perfect. And there's some validator key. It's not written here, but V1 is for the first output, V2 is for the second output, V3 is for the third output, right? Just okay. by the way, I think there's V2 twice here. So maybe when you read That's fine. Yes, that's two acts of the same Oh, guy. okay. The same guy making two acts? Okay, got it. Okay, so uh, suppose you're the guy number one and I'm the guy number four. So somebody who doesn't have any money, any money yet. Right. So you make a transaction. So P1 is uh, Carlos and he says P4, so me. He gets three Bitcoins from me. Uh, Perry gets uh, one Bitcoin from me. He's guy number five. 
Mm -hmm. I issued this transaction and for, for now that's it. Like, I mean, signs it with the owner key mm -hmm. and broadcasts it to the network. Then mm -hmm. it needs to be confirmed, right? So, uh, some validators. In, sorry, but in, yeah. in, this, in, this, in this output of this transaction, am I also putting in a validator key? Uh, yes, so P4 and P5 are going to be associated with validator keys. Mm -hmm. So that, oh. that P1 has chosen. Sorry? That P1 has chosen? Yes. Okay, so P1 chooses you apart, could write, from, yeah. apart, from, apart from the outputs and who you're sending money to, you choose who's going to validate the transaction. Yes. Okay, so he's chosen, I guess, V1 and V2 in this case. No, so... Just one uh, of them, no? <laughs> So here you could, in, in all of these uh, outputs, if you have P14, P24, P32, everywhere you could also write V with the same subscript. It's just not written here, okay? And okay, sure. this validator key that, that, that's indicated. So yeah, in this, in this first uh, transaction in the middle, right? Where Carlos was sending me a new money. Yep. Mm -hmm. Next to this P43 is V4, which is some validator key that Carlos chosen. And next to P5, one, there is V5. So okay, it okay. can be the validators that uh, will issue acts for these outputs. So each output gets an, uh, a validator? Yes. Okay. So th 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 this is the act of delegating this output to this guy, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so then... So he signs, he signs these transactions, I guess. He validates them. Okay. Yeah, so then, uh, yeah, this, this transaction is broadcast into the network. Nothing is done just yet, but now we wait for some validators to acknowledge it, right? Okay. So then in the beginning, we had V1, V2, and V3 be the validators, right? Mm -hmm. Then V1 comes along, and V1 says, okay, I have seen this transaction, and he issues this first V1 circle, right? Okay. Yeah, and then V2 sees this transaction and he says, okay, I, I see this transaction. He issue, and yeah, by the way, there's some other transaction going on on the bottom, right? The when mm -hmm. P3 sends to P6. Yeah, so v, V2 says, uh, okay, I see this transaction in the middle. I see this transaction at the bottom, right? Right. Okay, so then Carlos can take this transaction and can take this ACK of V1 and this ACK of V2 and he can show to me and to you this thing, and he can say, look, these acts uh, confirm this transaction. Now I have sent you money, right? Okay. Yeah, so then I am before, so then I can say, okay, I believe you. This is going to be confirmed forever. So I can issue this another blue, transac blue transaction on the right, and I can say, I'm sending my three Bitcoins I got from Carlos uh, to P7. Mm -hmm. And now there's a V7 involved also, right? Yes, and then, then, then there's V7, and yeah, for, for every output, there's a validator, validator key. But then, okay, so there's a validator key for every output, and then there's uh, validators that also acknowledge transactions as they see them come in. Yes. Okay, but now what happens if P1, so Carlos, after he's validated the transaction, uh, you know, Carlos is also a validator, and he sends the same uh, Bitcoin, the, the four Bitcoin, or maybe he sends 104 Bitcoin to Alice or Bob. And he's a validator himself and he validates that transaction with a higher weight. 
Look, so if Carlos is very powerful, like yeah. if Carlos has more than one third of the stake okay. in his validator power, right? Yeah. Then it's possible that he can screw up the system, like uh, maybe confirm a double spend or do something else, I don't know. Yeah, but this is an assumption that, again, it's mm -hmm. not different from other proof of stake systems, right? Okay. So, Where so, if, you have, if you have a vast proportion of the validators misbehaving, then things can break. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but how did like, so my, I guess, okay. So, uh, I, so now you have like a one third attack or whatever. Uh, so that's fine. But what happens if, uh, you know, the network doesn't have to see these validations happen. So, so what happens if, uh, you know, no one has seen that, uh, that Carlos sent us Bitcoin and on the, on, on a, you know, later in time, still while the network has not seen, you know, cause there's some shutdown of the internet, then it's cut in half. Uh, he sends the same for Bitcoin to someone else and a different validator who hasn't seen the first validation validates that transaction. Yes. So uh, here we have this black, like grayed out transaction on top, right? Perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this is Carlos. He says, okay, I've sent my money to uh, Jakub and Perry, but now I want to send it somewhere else because I want to steal or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. Then the, he says P1 for like sends to P9 for right. And he asked, okay, now validate my transaction. So, in this example, uh, we don't have a blob for a validator who hasn't seen the other transaction yet, but we have a blob for V4, right? So right. V4 issues an ACK, and there he references this new transaction, but he also references uh, this V1 and V2, which themselves reference the first transaction. So in that, V4 sees some other conflicting transaction, and V4 doesn't constitute a confirmation for this, right? But you could also have some other uh, validators, right? Like we, we don't have any acts of P3. So P3 could issue an act for this great transaction, but right. the point is it would be too little. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the whole, the whole uh, security relies on if some people didn't see the first transaction, then it's going to be too few of them to confirm a conflicting one. As yeah. long as it's less than one third, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Oh, perfect. Okay, so one third can mess up, and everything one third is. can be uh, bodies. Like they, they just want to steal money. They just want to confirm. They just want to break the system. They or it's, or one third of the internet is cut off. I guess even. Sorry. One third of the internet is cut even. Uh, yeah, like yeah. you can have one fully disconnected. Uh, like it could be a, a branching system, right? Yeah, like so, you can have one independent branch except for Genesis doing some rather random stuff with at most one third of the weight, right? That's the assumption. Yeah, here's the thing with asynchrony, right? You, you can have portions of the internet cut off or you can just cut internet in half and it might uh, deny the liveness, right? So it may prevent new transactions from being confirmed. So for as long as the internet can communicate, you can have like, nothing going on right but yeah but the point is that there's not going to be something undesirable happen or if you have a confirmed transaction it's not suddenly become not confirmed so mm -hmm. uh yeah and then after you kind of reconnect you can just go on as if nothing happened mm -hmm. okay cool oh. so uh, oh, sorry go ahead Carlos. and just maybe to recap then when a transaction gets approved by uh, a set of acts that add up to at least one third of the weight, sorry, two thirds of the weight, 
of, of the total supply, then you can guarantee that no conflicting transaction will ever achieve that much weight, right? That's exactly, that, that's precisely the, that's precisely the security against double spending. Yes. But, yeah. Uh, so sorry, this is under the assumption though that no new coins are generated, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Well, so again, this is not inherent to this protocol, sure. right? Like you could probably have some mix of rules or whatever for kind of coin generating and then somehow update how the validating no, I, I mean, a perfectly fine uh, answer for me is yes, this is like under the assumption that no new coins are generated. Like, uh, okay. I, 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 I like, I like, uh, that, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. That, that's, that's a good, that's a valid set of assumptions, right? Like, uh, you know, Bitcoin after 2040, 2000, uh, 2140 will have no new Bitcoins, right? So this is a valid assumption for me. But again, I think Jakob is saying that there could be some ways to accommodate for a coin generation. Sure. Right? That might still, uh, but yeah, I guess you have to have some, um, like the the cap on the coin supply makes it kind of easier to prove this, right? Because you can guarantee that some branch of the network won't uh, achieve a certain weight. Um, so if you generate new coins, you have to consider that i'm not sure if it's more difficult to uh work with that scenario but like the simplest scenario is if you just have everything up front right yeah perfect yeah we have to start somewhere because i guess um i don't know maybe uh as a another way to understand this property like how do i make sure that um okay maybe it's just an assumption but could it be that uh, wait, you know, an, a validator decides to start validating on a con on a conflicting uh, sort of subgraph, um, and thereby approve a double spend. You know, like could a validator sort of be hopping back and forth between uh, honest and dishonest uh, subgraphs here? So as long as at any point uh, the adversary, so all misbehaving validators collectively hold. Yeah, yeah less than one third of the stake yeah we're safe yeah if they do hold at least one third of the stake then we're not necessarily safe right yeah and i have one more question about this graph uh here you have a v2 validating v2 mm. v2 we have v2 pointing to uh, one transaction where P1 spends money and where P3 spends money, right? Yes, but then the V2 ACK points to the V2 ACK. Yes, actually yeah. that's necessary. That's very important in that, so you have a validator and they might issue new ACKs for new things, right? Right. And it's crucial to the security that every time you point to the previous ACK you made. Mm. Okay. Okay, so th th this is just to be consistent, I guess. So yes. to, to, to ensure that the validator is consistent with his, with his uh, verifications, with his oh, validations. So uh, this is necessary because this is information that security depends on. Like if you have V2 issue NAC for something and then you have V2 issue NAC for something else, then you have new validators in the future and new transactions in the future indicating this acts and if some 
validator in the future references this one v2 act and some other validator in the future references this other v2 act then we might have problems of that okay i see mm -hmm. um, okay and now uh, sorry Carlos, i don't know if you have another question about this graph about this figure uh not yet so i have one more question in so what would be the process of becoming a validator like how would i become a validator for the network i will become a validator you generate a keeper you okay. give your keeper to somebody who has money and you tell them indicate this public key as your validator and then i'm going to validate transactions with my private key okay but every but i um my validations will only have weight if the transactions i verify have weight right yes so then this person that you gave your public key to uh sends money it's confirmed and then you point to this transaction and its acknowledgements and this is like a proof that you're now you're a validator now and then you start issuing acts okay so, so, so basically it becomes yeah, a reputation thing right kind of sorry like um people will will prefer to choose validators that have validated larger transactions in the past i guess yes that should be yeah. there should be something that yeah i mean ideally we would like people I'm not sure if this is possible, but I mean, ideally, right? If you have the users of the system just send money around and maybe there's some policy or protocol or somehow we get them to choose validators that we have some evidence that they're nice and whatnot, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but ultimately I think maybe we have to rely on... Yeah, never mind, right? There's... Uh... <laughs> Okay. Ultimately, there's this assumption that no more than one third, that no more than one third of the validator uh, kind of stake is uh, adversarial. Mm -hmm. Very cool. I, I, I had a question, Perry. Right? Sorry. You had a question, I think. No. I think that was my question. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I had a probably a stupid question, but um, uh, why why is one third uh, the choice the value? So this is fundamental to, um, so th there's this example in a synchronous Byzantine agreement. Okay, mm -hmm. imagine you have some set of parties that's divisible by three, okay? Mm -hmm. So you have some parties that kind of, you, you see us stand in the middle, you have set of parties that stand on the left and you have set of parties that stand on the right. Mm -hmm. So, the, the set of parties in the middle is going to be the adversary. And yeah, so essentially this, the, the, this coalition is going to try to screw up the left and the right ones to get them to agree to something else, right? Mm -hmm. And then you, you can have, I mean, in, a, an, in an asynchronous network, you can delay communication for as long as you want. So the adversary can just say, okay, for the time being, the guys on the right and the guys on the left cannot talk to each other. They just they just cut the cord, okay? The transatlantic cable or whatever. Mm -hmm. So then the guys on the right, they suddenly think the guys on the left went offline, and they try to work something out with the guys in the middle, which are the adversary. Okay. And yeah, the same happens for the guys on the left. They suddenly think, okay, the guys on the right went offline, but thankfully we have two thirds still. So the guys in the middle and and us, they make two thirds of the system 
Okay. So we can cool. work something up with them. So then you have a situation where the adversary, like there, there's no communication between the right and the left, but they think they can work something out with the adversary. So the adversary says, okay, let's agree on something to the left guys. And mm -hmm. says, let's agree on something different to the right guys. Yeah. And in this way, yeah, they, they can have different uh, agreement outputs. The kind of man in the middle. Um, yes. Okay. okay. Well, yeah. that, that's yes. a nice analogy. That's a nice analogy. Yeah. yeah in, uh, the thing is in an asynchronous network, you assume the adversary controls the network. So then you just say, you delay the communication for as long as necessary to have some agreement like with this uh, adversarial party, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, so yes. in, yeah, in this example, the adversary con constitutes one third. Mm -hmm. So this is a proof that it's always necessary for the adversary to constitute less than one third. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. I, 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 I like that. Sorry? I, I like that explanation. Very okay. clear. Very clear. Very nice. Thank you. I'm not the author. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like a, yeah. Uh, I don't know, Carlos. Uh, for me, it was. I definitely understand a lot more now. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, cool. Uh, so yeah, I think that gives a pretty clear picture of what's going on. Um, and what else is left? I think the the other uh, the remainder of the paper was kind of what we had already started touching on, which were like additional layers to the protocol, right? Yeah. Um, like transaction fees and money creation and things like that. Um, I don't know if we have any other questions in, in terms of that stuff, Perry. Um, I, I don't think so. I think, uh, I mean, I guess it's, it's probably necessary at some point, right? Cause you want to reduce spamming, uh, attacks. So these things might probably be useful. Uh, I don't know, Jakob, if you can give some more insight into that. Well, so, I mean, is there some transaction? If there's no transaction fees and no like cost for being a validator, then I guess you the could just. The way I see it is, this is not really that much different from other proof of stake systems. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, there, there's many people, like many very smart people, working on this, right? Mm -hmm. And so my, my contribution in this paper is having this system, uh, like taking advantage of relaxing the uh, consensus. A little bit right mm -hmm. and having the system be permissionless and also kind of practical in that the validators they, they, there doesn't need to be a million of them but there can be a few mm -hmm. and all of the other things i'm sure that there's thousands of more qualified people who can say uh a lot better stuff than me <laughs> yeah but i mean if you're asking my opinion to prevent spamming you, you can have proof a little bit of proof of work or you mm -hmm. can have a fee like uh I mean, in Bitcoin, in in principle, you can't spam in Bitcoin, right? But you just mm -hmm. pay a transaction fee for every transaction. Yeah, exactly. So you can do the same here. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I guess uh, you, you would also need some incentive to validate, right? Yes. Maybe that. Yeah. Maybe that. Maybe that. You know, the the fee plus the proof of work can give you some sort of incentive to validate and some. Uh, Yes. Uh, some spam proof. But I think yes. that that was what was cool about IOTA. No, maybe to be controversial here, but didn't they uh, like put the validating as an incentive to create a transaction? Like, sorry, creating a transaction had the cost of validating, right? 
So it kind of packages everything together. Yes, but uh, I think you should. So notice this in IOTA, they kind of market this as a lightweight way to do this, mm -hmm. right? Don't they? Yeah, so yeah. Have be a small device that sends. Yeah, for uh, Internet of Things. Yeah. But yes, I, I think lightweight, also free, right? Yes, but then every time you send a transaction, you need to participate in this process of consensus where you mm -hmm. identify the transactions that you like, you identify the transactions you don't like, right? Yeah. So you contribute to this proof of work, uh, you know, common good. Mm -hmm. So this is not really, I don't think it's more practical. So I guess uh, maybe maybe the point is IOTA, every time you want to send a transaction, you yourself have to do some hashing or whatever, or some proof of work. You have to validate two other transactions. Right. But here, I think it's just a set of validators that maybe have specialized hardware or whatever. Yes. That can, that you're, you're delegating the, 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 this uh, verification or validation to somebody that's specialized in this, I think. Yes, but let me point out that in all of these systems, right, that don't have some hardcore sharding or channels right you so on, on this base layer i mean you can have channels but I'm, I'm talking about the base layer you have to so when you say you validate one transaction you have to validate all of the pre, like the previous transactions you have to mm -hmm. validate all of them you have to like everybody validates everything right mm -hmm. so to, to send a transaction in iota you have to be like a miner there's no well you have to here. validate like the subset of transactions that your transaction depends on no you have to go back to the genesis i think yeah but yes. only on the path that that leads to your transaction exactly yeah. that, that's true but so in iota they uh let me make this comparison so in here right these uh, paths can be very autonomous right but like very IOTA, disjoint they, Yes, uh, I mean, not really because you, you have, have these validators that uh, overlap between different, so no, you can't, but uh, about IOTA, you rely on this tangle going a certain way and growing like a blockchain. So mm -hmm. if it's too wide, there's no security, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're saying because you can validate such a small subset of all the transactions. No. That so in Bitcoin, right? Yeah. If you have the longest chain, yep. you kind of, then you think, okay, so they are going to build up on this chain and this is our consensus for now. And the deeper in this chain, the more the consensus kind of. Right, exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah, but mm -hmm. so if you have many different branches, then there's like no consensus. And in IOTA, if you have non-overlapping or kind of partly autonomous or just very wide, this mm -hmm. tangle thing, then there's no consensus. You need to wait. Like the, the latency is going to be associated with this width. I see. So you're saying, you're saying the wider the, the wider the branches get, the longer I might have to wait, wait before someone validates my transaction. Oh, I see. Yeah. Because yeah, it's, 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 it's one over up. the number of branches, say. Yeah. The, the, and there's another problem. In IOTA, if you have this tangle be very wide, yeah. then it's going to be easier for an adversary to create an imbalance on like one side or the other and just create their own, you know, chain where they yeah. verify some stuff. 
and then maybe create some chain on the other side. So I, I think it all, it's a trade-off with security, which is not I very see. strong anyway. Hmm. That's a good point. Nice. Okay, cool, yeah. Okay, so you, so I think we've you done know, You know a lot about IOTA then. <laughs> An hour and a half. I was surprised it wasn't mentioned in the paper, but I guess I, I kind of see why now. It's different, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think we covered everything, right? Yeah, I think. We hit uh, an hour and a half. Don't want to take up too much of your time, uh, Jakub. Um, I don't know if, uh, do, you want, do you want to maybe share some comments you got from the, the referees or something that, about your paper? Well, I mean, uh, not really. Like, uh, okay, no problem. I'm adamant about this being a nice thing. <laughs> right, no, sure. <laughs> yeah. You, you should check out, check out the ledger maybe. Yeah, I, I don't know what your experience is, but so I, I think maybe I'm just not very communicative. Sometimes I'm amazed at how I failed in communicating something, but most of the reviews are not very helpful, right? Yeah, Usually yeah, yeah. They're just testament to some misunderstanding. And yeah, yeah th this is kind of, uh, I mean, uh, I had some papers before, some of them I resubmitted a few times. I know one guy that resubmitted the paper 13 times. <laughs> 13? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. At least he didn't give up. When I was in Singapore, uh, there's one, like one guy in our group said that was his record. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. That's interesting. No, I, I think I've gone up to four. So it, it, I can understand. So I mean, to an extent, I think it's going to be a lottery kind of always. Like you can always get bad reviews, right? And I mean, bad reviewers. Maybe they, they, and they, they, they can just misunderstand. To give you uh, an idea, right? When I said, I said I submitted this to SPA, mm -hmm. there were three reviewers, two of them, they, they had like a big problem with the assumption that the adversary does not acquire more than one third of the state. Okay. And they were like, the previous mm -hmm. paragraph, you said the honest parties can just send money to the adversary. So there's nothing stopping him from acquiring like all of the money. So then they're not, then they're not honest anymore, right? Not <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah. We, we had similar issues, I think, with, uh, with a misunderstanding of, of what we were writing. I yep. think uh, no matter how simple you think you're making something, it's not simple enough, right? Uh, that's just what I've come to learn. So, and it also always... depends a lot on the audience, right? Like what, what the journal you're sending it to. Um, they might just not be super, uh, you know, knowledgeable on specifically your your sub branch yes so i mean and especially in this area right in blockchain everything is new i think there's many newcomers and at least my experience so far has been that the reviewers are uh, like you're very vulnerable to bad luck with them <laughs> nicely put <laughs> yeah it's very tricky well, it may also be true that I just write badly. I'm probably not a very good writer. Maybe this paper is not very communicative. No, I mean, uh, go ahead, yeah. No, I, mean, I, th I was saying it's very thorough, right? Um, yeah. And all the definitions are up front, so that's nice. But I think it's, it's more about like over-communicating sometimes, you know, like uh, saying, okay, uh, I, you just have to make everything super explicit in order to make sure no one misunderstands. But there's also a problem like... Um, often reviewers get when they don't understand something they end up being feeling more negatively about the paper even though the paper might still have valid uh contributions you know 
Yes. So uh, that, that's kind of like, I don't think that should be the case. You know, you should ask for clarifications and then make a decision. Sure. That's why you have rebuttals, but it seems yeah. like not many people read them. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, so my boss says he's against rebuttals because people just ignore them. Wow. Yeah. It's a very weird, weird world. Um, but you know, thank God for the archive. We can still discuss stuff and uh, and share. Yeah. It. Um, yeah. Maybe you you can even keep you can keep us posted also on this. Uh, we'd like okay. to see it when it's published. Okay. I will. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming on. I mean, I don't know if you have anything else to add. I just had a question. Uh, I mean, is it what what kind of stuff are you looking at now? After once this is done. So recently, I've been thinking about asynchronous Byzantine agreement. Okay. There's still like, uh, I mean, there's quite a big question of. Okay, so um, there is this paper. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's like a stock paper, so uh, acclaimed and whatnot. Let me Google it. So asynchronous. Uh, sorry. If I can Google it, uh, do you think I can? Uh... Get the keywords for it, so we can maybe pull it up quickly. Um, if you Google asynchronous Byzantine agreement stock, stock, yes, uh, best uh, without K. Okay, it's symposium on theory of computing. Do, do, do. Okay, which one is it? This one maybe. Oh, it's in the journal. Eh? Okay. There is also a journal version of this uh, paper. Yeah, but anyway, I, I didn't want to recommend this paper. I wanted to say that yeah. uh, I believe it's wrong. Oh, cool. Nice. That's perfect. Yeah, there's this, uh, I have a colleague in my group that's like, she spent a lot of time on this and she's very, like, she, she devoted a lot of time to this paper because I mean, if it was true, it would be like a big result mm -hmm. that we think what this paper does might be impossible still. Mm. Yeah, so I've been thinking if it's, uh, I've been thinking about this problem about a synchronous Byzantine agreement. So you know Benor or not? I don't. There's, no. there's this old paper about a synchronous Byzantine agreement. Mm -hmm. So if it's completely asynchronous, right? And if you have uh, like a, linear fraction of the parties be Byzantine, then yeah, in this original, in, in this paper of Benor, uh, he gives like a simple algorithm to have agreement in exponential time. Mm -hmm. So the idea is that it's probably impossible to do that faster than in exponential time. Okay. Yeah, and this, this stock paper, it was, uh, I mean, it sets out to prove that they can do it in Polynomial time. Okay. Yeah, but we think it's wrong, and we think uh, maybe we will prove that uh, it's impossible. Yeah. Nice. nice. So it's like some mathematical uh, issues, uh, problems we're trying to solve, also. Like it's, a proof. Uh, mathematical. Well, everything is mathematical, right? No, so sure. I guess it's, a, but it's a le so I should have said it's more of a theoretical uh, issue you have with this. It's not a practical thing you're trying to solve. Is it theoretical or practical? It's theoretical, mostly. I mean, yeah. so there are some practical implications, but sure. I mean, immediately it's 
mostly theoretical, yes. Nice. Cool, we'll stay tuned. Um, any other questions, Barry? No, I think I'm good. I, uh, thanks a lot for coming on. I mean, yeah, and super appreciate it. Yeah, come and spending an hour and a half with us. Yeah, very generous. Okay, I'm going to stop my screen share. Um, okay, well, um, if there's nothing else, uh, thank you so much again for joining, Jakub. Uh, all the best of luck with submitting uh, the paper and, yeah, and keep your us posted. upcoming yeah. proofs. Okay, well, um, I'll uh, end the call now. And um, thanks again, Jakub. Best of luck. Thanks a lot. See you later. Yeah. Send me the link when you upload it. Oh, yes, will do. We'll be in touch. Okay. Ciao. So, Ciao. Thanks for having me. Thank See you. you. Later.